Is it dead or alive? Is this flower dead or alive? What about this one? And this? Okay, good job. Well, what about this flower? Actually, it's dead because it's a fake flower. It may look like it's alive on the outside, but actually, it's dead. <laughs> so are you dead or are you alive? I hope you're alive. We should be alive. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Actually, we've been going through this series, The Seven Traits for Thriving Relationships. And where we're getting these traits from is these seven churches found in the book of Revelation. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when we hear the book of Revelation and we understand some things of the Bible, it can seem a little weird, like, why, why are we reading Revelation? I thought there were weird stuff in there. No, there is good stuff in the Bible. And we're learning from these seven churches because that's what Jesus was speaking to his people. And because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what Jesus said, he's still saying. So we're going to learn from this church in Sardis. We've been learning from these different churches, and Sardis is located in what we know as Turkey today, in that region in Asia. In fact, at that time, it was, it was uh, just, just these different cities that were located in that area were thriving cities, which only one of them still remains today. But this city, Sardis, and especially the church that was in Sardis, we're going to learn that Jesus was looking to them to be an example of what it meant to be alive. And I think we all want to have an, an alive life, an alive relationship, a, a thriving relationship. But there are times where we look alive on the outside, but on the inside we're actually dead. And that's what Jesus addresses to this church. And in order for us to be alive on the outside, we need help with that because we can't self-revive. In our world, we try to do that by reputation or trying to do things that make us happy but we're still dead on the inside. And Jesus says the only way you can have what is dead on the inside come to life is to have someone who died and came back to life, which is him. This church that we're going to look at, Sardis, went through so many different phases. And in this season of their life as a church, and when Jesus addresses that you were once dead and you are now alive, they understand the context of it because that's what their city was like. That's what the society was like that surrounded them. Have you ever been around someone who they snore? No, no, don't point or anything. I'm just, just as a, a question that they snore super loud. I mean, we're not talking breathing, just... I'm talking, you know, Richter scale, earthquake trembling. You turn your back to that person, massage kind of tremors coming out of this person. No, I'd known, I knew someone like that, and, and I remember when they were sleeping, and they would snore like that. I mean, I'm thinking, is, are you okay? Like, is, can, your, can your throat even take that kind of damage? And then at one point, they stopped breathing. It's like... <sighs> and then I would wait. Like 10 seconds later. And then I will go to them and look and watch their, are they breathing? Are they alive? Then all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm like, he's alive. It's like when, when that pause happens, you don't know if they're okay. 
But I think in life we can be like that. There's like this pause that takes place. And maybe we're just dead on the inside and we're wondering, is my life alive anymore? Am I doing anything worthy of living? Because that's where it comes to in our life. We want to come to a place where we say, my life matters. That what I'm doing is effective or influential in my family or the community that I live in. And so now this church that Jesus is addressing, he's saying you have a reputation of being alive, but you're really dead. You look joyful on the outside, but you're miserable on the inside. And Jesus pauses for this church to take a breather, to, to assess themselves, and to say, this is who you are as a people. They knew their history. They knew who they were as a people. This church in Sardis, this city, was about 30 miles south of Thyatira that we talked about last week. And this church, because of its location, was actually at the crossroads of all these uh, cities that would connect. And because of that, they became a wealthy city because of the trade that would take place. They were like the intersection of all of these great cities. And so a lot of trade would go on there, and they became a wealthy city. In fact, they became so wealthy that they had to coin coinage, or they had to uh, mint coins. And it is said that our modern day, or modern coins today was birthed at this city in Sardis, that they had to have coins so that the economy, the, the economic system could be done well. And so they had to think of something because they were so wealthy. And what was noticeable about this, this city in Sardis was the Acropolis, these huge citadels that would sky and, 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 and people would look at it and say, wow, what a great place to be. And they were also on these, these huge hills that went up and almost 800 feet high where they felt like they were formidable or they were impregnable in a, a, a city that could not be conquered. And because of that, they didn't have too many guards guarding the city from invasion because who's going to attack us? We have a wall on this side that they can't get over and then we have the cliffs on this side that they can't climb up. And so they had few guards guarding the city. But because of that, they got invaded and conquered twice in their history, not because they didn't have the army or they lacked the guards, but because the guards felt they were impenetrable, they fell asleep on duty. They just felt, nobody, who's going to attack us? So they would fall asleep. And because they fell asleep, the enemies would just come in, tiptoe up to them, take them out, and then take over the city. So that's, that's part of their history. This city in, in Asia, because of all the other cities surrounding them, and they were one of them too, contained many other pagan worship. They had foreign gods that they would worship, and they would have these temples built. One of the temples that they built uh, was almost the same size as the temple in Ephesus to, to the god Diana. Uh, Artemis. And because of this temple worship, they would have to wear uh, white garments to go into this temple to worship. And sexual immorality ran rampant too in this city. And a lot of the Christians were now participating in this worship because they, they had to look good on the outside. They had to look like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing something great in our city. So they would blend in with everyone else. And so some of the Christians were practicing these foreign and heathen and pagan worship. 
So they would have to go in with white garments. However, some of them, you know, because it's white, it gets dirty quick. And if your garments were dirty, you couldn't even go into the temple to worship foreign gods, these gods that didn't even exist. So because of that, they said, well, you can't worship because your, your gown, your robe, your, your outer is dirty. And so everything was based on what they looked like, their appearance, their reputation, even when they worshiped these false gods. And for years, this city in Sardis, this city, Sardis, because of their great wealth, that became their downfall. They became prideful. They thought, we got it all together. We don't need anything else. They became self-indulgent and self-satisfied. And so while the church, which seemed healthy, that started to blend in with how the city was, then now Christians too had to put on an act that because the culture was like that, they said, well, you know what? We too then have to live like this. After a while, Jesus came in and he says, listen, it's not about your reputation. It's not about the exterior. It's not about what you look like on the outside because you can look alive on the outside, but if you're dead on the inside, then that's what I'm looking at the most. The church now, as Sardis is known as, if you read in the Bible, is known as a church that is alive on the outside but dead on the inside. That's their reputation Jesus was addressing true believers of their spirituality. He's saying you look alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. And now because of that, you're trying to operate on your own human nature, your own energy. You're no longer relying on my spirit and the word of God. And the church that was once vibrant and thriving has now become dead, lazy, and ineffective. And this city, impressed with her past, is now faced with new challenges. And not just the city, now this church. And the church is faced with their present condition, which they're dead, but they want to look alive, and their future. How are they going to become a church that is alive on the inside, no longer performing for the ways of the world or for, for their government to look good so that they're good with their government because they were uh, under Rome but I thought, well, when Jesus comes to John, who was the one who wrote these letters, Jesus tells John to write these things down and then deliver these letters to the seven churches. Now, all the churches got each other's letters. So it wasn't one letter to each church. They all got each other's churches. So imagine you're coming to your church, your letter, what Jesus has said to be delivered to you. Now, it's not coming through like, like email or just from someone who... Uh, it's just any old buddy. It's not just some blog somewhere or a newspaper. It's coming from John, this disciple that was walking physically with Jesus Christ. Paul the apostle was not walking physically with Jesus Christ, but yet he has powerful words. John, this disciple, walked with Jesus Christ. So the words that he's writing down is, is, to the people, it's like, wait a minute, we, get, we have to pay attention to this guy because this guy walked with Jesus Christ. This is why the church exists. It's because of Jesus Christ. So when John writes these words, he delivers it to the church. Now imagine as the church that you're reading this. And I'm going to read in Revelation chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You also have your notes that you can take out from the bulletin and it'll help you to follow along. But you can write down this, uh, this scripture address, Revelation chapter 3, and then you can go home and read it for yourself 
Uh, but I'll read it right now, and then we'll, we'll catch what Jesus is saying. And he says in verse 1, chapter 3, the book of Revelation, And to the angel in the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And this is Jesus saying this, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. It's like Jesus is, is saying, know your history. Know your history. These guards that fell asleep, they didn't know that they were going to be attacked. So in the same way, if you're not alert and I come to you, you're not even going to know. It's like I'm a thief coming in the night. You're not even going to know the time and the hour. So you got to pay attention. But you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus, as he's addressing this church, he's saying, you know your history, you know where you came from. You try to look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. I want to help you with a few things. And we can learn from this church and have a life that's alive, not dead, in these three simple ways. And we're going to look at three simple things. The first is to stay alert. This is what Jesus said to the church. He's saying, you know your history. Guards fell asleep, and here came the enemy, overtook you guys, conquered. They fell asleep. He's saying, stay alert. You've got to stay alert. We've got to know. And what Jesus is saying is, you've got to know what's happening in your life. You've got to know what's happening in your family, your surrounding, what's happening in the world you live in, the city you live in. Not that you become this, uh, you know, this uh, history guru or someone who has to know everything that's going on around the world because there's some news that we hear that is not real. It's false. So what Jesus is saying is you just need to take an assessment of your life. How are you doing spiritually? How's your spiritual walk with me? Are you growing spiritually? Or are you doing the same things over and over or, and, and you're battling with the same things over and over? Have you grown in your relationship with me? And then he's saying, emotionally, how are you dealing with your emotions? Now, I know as women, you can, you know, sometimes you just let out your emotions and, or you keep them in. And then you let them out one day and it's just all bottled up and explodes. Some men are like that. We don't know how to deal with our emotions because we're taught not to cry. And if we're young and we get hurt and our dad comes up to us and we cry, he tells us not to cry. Or he will give us something to cry about. So we're learning not to cry. So we try to bottle up our emotions, but we still need to keep record or, or at least keep an eye on out for our emotional gauge. What does that look like? Are we, are we an emotional wreck or are we stuffing these things down? Are we emotionally secure? Or are we bottling things up? Are we doing things to fill our lives so that we are filled emotionally? And then how are we, are, how are we physically? How are we doing with our health? Are we keeping an eye out on that? Because if we are not keeping an eye out on our health, then we're actually dying on the inside. And we all are. I mean, the moment we're born, we're dying because of sin 
but we actually can shorten our life due to not being alert with our health. Are we taking good care of these bodies that Jesus gave to us? Or do we wait till we have to change? When we go to the doctors and he says, okay, this is what you have to do. You have to take these 40 pills. You have to see me three times a week. You have to do this, this, and this. And you have to change eating this. No more mac salad. No more spam. No more, what? No more spam. Oh, I don't like come doctor. I don't like go doctors anymore because they always tell me what is wrong. That's the whole point. If I wasn't keeping an, an account on my health, who's going to do that? It's not the doctor's responsibility. It's our responsibility. It was in the American Journal uh, magazine that said uh, from a doctor that the health of America will not be determined by what the doctors are getting the patients to assess with themselves and it's not the patients coming to the doctor saying, what's wrong with me? The health of America will be determined by what the patients can do for themselves. Because we are with ourselves more than the doctors. And so Jesus comes to this church and he's saying, you're trying to blend in with everyone else. You're trying to look good. You're trying to, you're trying to uh, impress people, your reputation. So even your, your spiritual, emotional, and your physical health, you're trying to look good on the outside for everyone else. But Jesus says, I want to address these things, but you can't hear me unless you're alert. You're not going to be able, be able to pay attention. So the question is, how are you when it comes to those areas in your life? How are you with the righteousness of God? How are you with the ways of God? Are you alert? When you hear his voice, do you move and act on it because he spoke? Or do we fall asleep on God? You say, ah, oh, I'm, I'm good, I'm I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm okay. And only when things go bad do I say, God, I need you. You know what he tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 through 14? It's in your notes. He says, look, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Yeah, we fall on God periodically. I remember this one night, Heidi and I were just dead tired, but, and I think maybe I traveled or something, and I came home, and, and we didn't talk for a couple days. So I asked Heidi one question. I said, so how was your day? And so she begins to talk, and now I'm falling asleep. And you know, as a husband, right, don't you dare fall asleep on your wife. And then I, I fall asleep, and she turns to me and goes, you're falling asleep? I said, no, I'm, pr I'm praying for you. I, no, I didn't say that. I, and she didn't even know I was sleeping. So, I, so she's talking, and I'm trying to stay awake. And it's not a boring thing. Heidi is just a vibrant, exciting person. So I'm falling asleep. And I'm trying to, come on, stay up. And so I'm trying to stay up. I couldn't. I fell asleep for a couple minutes. And then I wake up. I'm like, uh-oh. And she's still talking. And I'm like, do you even need me in this conversation? Is this okay? And she never knew that I fell asleep until this morning. And that was years ago, Heidi. And I thought, I, thought, I wonder how often God speaks to me. He speaks something great but I fall asleep on God. 
that I just, okay, God, I know, yeah, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, you're talking to me about my spiritual health, my emotional health, and my, my physical health, but, but ah, and you kind of put it on the side. It's like we just fall asleep with God. And that's why he says, awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you life. Ephesians 5, 15, it continues. It says, so be careful how you live. That's the key word, how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like, it can almost sound um, almost local language. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. The Bible says we can be foolish people, but make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. This is why we worship God together. The Bible says, look, don't, don't, don't be foolish. Be wise. Think wisely. Don't think thoughtlessly or don't act thoughtlessly be careful how you live and when we worship god we're doing what he's called us to do he's saying listen if you're dead on the inside and you try to act alive on the outside it's not going to work you don't wait for emotions to catch up to you now you're going to be alive on the inside if you think you're going to act alive on the outside then become alive on the inside it doesn't work that way he says when you feel dead on the inside when you're when you feel like there's nothing left that's when you worship me you worship me. You sing songs to me. You gather together and you sing songs to me. And you worship me in your heart. That's what he's saying. And when you do that, you become alive. Because it's no longer your human, your human efforts. It's my spirit that now resides in you. But if I'm not alert, if I'm not keeping, rec or, or track, keeping track of what's going on in my life, I'm not even going to recognize when I'm dead. People may recognize it. They may, people that are close to you may say, something's not right with you. You just don't seem like yourself anymore. And they might recognize that. But you, if you keep alert, then you're going you're gonna to sense that. And it helps when we put Jesus first that he's the one that's going to speak to us. And he's the one that's going to add life to us. But we've got to lift him up. That's why the Bible says to sing songs to him. Make music to the Lord because we tend to fall asleep. Hard to fall asleep when there's loud music playing. I know we get to an age that we're like, oh, these kids playing loud music. That was us back then. But we come to a place that God says, no, you sing songs to me. You got to be alert because that's what's going to awaken your soul. We fall asleep naturally. We fall asleep as fathers, as mothers, as, as parents. We fall asleep as people, as children of God. We just, we fall asleep. And we want to do better as parents. We want to do better as people, especially in our relationships, so that it thrives, not that it stays dead. I remember as, a, as a, a kid, I was probably three or four years old, and I was sleepwalking, walked to the hallway closet, and my mom said, Sheldon, what are you doing? And I looked at her, and she's telling me the story. I said, nothing, just like that. I was actually sleepwalking, and I used the bathroom in the closet in the hallway. Now, I was four years old. Okay, four, not 40. I was four years old. And my mom told me then, and I don't remember anything of it. But some of us sleepwalk as Christians. We sleepwalk, and we don't even know what we're doing. All we know is 
We're just trying to fake this thing called Christianity. If I can just look good on the outside, then, then everything else will be okay. If I can have a good reputation, then, then I'll be okay. If people can recognize me and, and that I'm the person that, that everybody seeks after, if I'm the visible one and, and, and I look good on the outside, then I'll be okay. But we all know that if we're dead on the inside, it doesn't matter how many times we smile on the outside. Sooner or later, our muscles cannot keep up and we slowly decay from the inside out. And Jesus says, no, 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 Here, here's how it works. You stay alert. When I speak to you, I'm going to speak life to you. I'm going to bring you to life. It's going to happen from the inside out. Don't be sound asleep. Don't be a Christian sleepwalker. Don't be dead on the inside. That's why he says in Revelation 3, 2, wake up. That's his words. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. He's saying there's, there's a little hope there, but it's almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of God. Now, God's love is unconditional. Unconditional. No requirements for that. He loves us unconditionally. We just accept his love. Representing him, however, now there are requirements. It's just like you at your company or wherever you work or even in your own family. You represent your family name or you represent that company. You represent that business or the place you work at. If you have a uniform, arm, uh, a uniform on, then you represent that company. If you're not representing that company well, then there are certain repercussions for that. And the same is true with God. He's saying, if you're my child, then there are certain requirements you're going to represent me to a world that needs me. In other words, what God is saying, he's not saying, I'm going to judge you because of that. He's saying, people are going to judge me because of you. So if you're trying to look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside, after a while, they're going to see that, wait a minute, you're no different than me. Why do I need this God that you say I need when you're dead on the inside too? You're doing the same things I'm doing. You're no different than me. So we actually turn people away rather than draw them near to God. And God says, here's what I'm asking of you. Represent me. Stay alert. Be alive. So that when people see you, they see me. God says, I am a God who is alive. Therefore, my children should be too. That's why Jesus says in point two, we can write this in, to strengthen what I already have. Look at your life. What do you have already that it's like this is almost dead I'm almost giving up. It almost feels like I'm empty. It almost feels like it's no longer going to be whatever it is, a dream, a passion, a relationship. It's, it's almost dead. What is it? And Jesus says, strengthen what you have left. There's still hope there. Whatever it is, strengthen it. That's why we're starting this membership series on April 20th, excuse me, April 23rd, or that week of Easter, because we want to help people strengthen what they have that God is doing. Whatever gifting God has given to you, whatever dreams, whatever passions he's given to you, we want to help you connect and be a part of the family of God. So we're going to have these membership series on our Wednesday night. Romans 16, 25, it says, Now, him, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations 
according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. All of that brings about our obedience to faith. Well, what is the mystery then? What is the mystery that he's talking about? What is this, the rev- according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages? What does that mean? Well, there, basically the Bible is talking about the mystery or the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because for a long time before Jesus came, they were looking for a Savior. And even after Jesus came, people are still looking for a Savior. We look for it in different places. We look for it sometimes in our paycheck, our government, our reputation. We're looking for something that will save us from what we go through. And Jesus said, I am that mystery. I am the revealed Word of God. I am the Word of God. That's where you're going to be strengthened. It's going to be in me. Christ came to give us faith, but not an outside faith, an inside faith. Not so that we look good on the outside, but so that he does something different on the inside. And because of that, now the outside begins to change. And it's an obedient faith that works from the inside out. And what Jesus was saying to the church in Sardis was, your faith is not built the way the city is, that they're trying to look good and have a great reputation. Your faith in me is built on the inside out. Don't try to blend in with everyone else and try to look good on the outside. It's not going to last. He says, you, you start on the inside with me. That's where it counts. In other words, what he was saying is, you don't look the part to get the part. You become the part, which makes you do the part. That's why the Bible says in James 2, 26, For as the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. He's saying to the church, you're doing it backwards. You're, you're, you're trying through reputation to build your faith in me rather than inner character, this inner trait. That's why he says, and let me remind you in Revelation 3, 2, he says, wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. It's almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of God. See, we all want a great reputation and we all fall into that category of, of performance and trying to look good for people because that's the way of the world. That's the way of uh, a business is done. Wherever we go, wherever we work, it's performance-oriented. Now, there are some companies that they, they base everything on character. But there are many that say, no, you got to present yourself like this. If you have a bad day, too bad, You put on the smile, you greet people, whatever you have to do. So that's the way of the world. And Jesus was saying, you're now blending in with the world. You're you're my church. And I want you to do things different. You're supposed to be the light into this world. If you think about it, reputation is basically an estimation of how people see you. It's not even the real you. It's an estimation of what they see in you. And for some of us, we always say, oh, I don't care about what people say. I don't care what people think. We do. We actually do. Oh, I don't listen to those people's opinions because everybody's opinions about me are different. You know why? Because reputation is just an estimation of what people think about you. Inner character, however, is how God sees you. And he builds that. And he says, when you have that inner character, I will clothe you with white garments. And these white garments that Jesus is talking about, he's actually saying there is an indication that clothing identifies your function. Like when you see a police officer, guess what they do? They enforce the law. You see a firefighter, guess what they fight? Fires. You see someone with a a white robe or or a white, uh, I guess it's a white 
coat, coat, a white coat and a stethoscope. Hopefully they're a doctor. But usually the uniform says what they do. And what Jesus is saying is, what you're saying is you'd rather look good on the outside and dead on the inside. But what I'm saying and what Jesus is saying is, when you're alive on the inside, everything else will come alive. It won't matter what you look like, what position you have, what your, your reputation is, what other people will think, because you're in me. I'm your reputation. Not what people are going to think. He says, but you've got to stay alert. Strengthen what you already have. Whatever, whatever you have, we're going to strengthen that. And then he says, and, and you can write this in number three, remember. He says that to the church. Remember from where you have come from. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. So for us, remember what the Lord speaks to me just remember i mean there's times where god will speak something and then i'm like oh yes i'll write it down but then i forget later we're we're easily forgettable people god speaks to us sometimes we apply it sometimes we don't or sometimes we just wait for something bad to happen and then we come back to him but only only to come back to god and and god says the same thing that he's always been saying he says remember what i've already spoken to you and sometimes I say, oh, I want to get better as a husband, the leader of the home. I want to lead my family. But then I don't. And then something goes bad, and then I come back to God. God, you got to help me. He says, you got to lead your family, stay in the word of God. you gotta, you got to be consistent with me, build your relationship with me. Okay, I got it, got it, got it. Six months go by, and something bad happens. Oh, Lord, I need help. He says, okay, all you got to do is uh, be, be consistent with me, stay close to me, uh, build your relationship with me, stay in my word. Okay, I got it, got it, got it. Everything goes good. Six months later, something goes bad because I forgot about God. Then I come, to, I come to God, God, I need help. Okay, all you got to do is be consistent with me, stay in a relationship with me. It's like he says the same things over and over. So I got to remember what he speaks to me and then apply what he already spoke. Have you ever been around people who can just talk and talk and talk? Now, studies say that women speak twice as much as men. And women say it's because you don't listen, so we got to repeat ourselves. So I understand that. But as husbands, okay, I'm just going to, let's just be, let's be family right now. This is like, not just family like how we are family, but like family, family. So when you're eating dinner, just picture yourself, you're eating dinner with your spouse. And you're at a place where there's a TV. And it's March Madness, NBA Finals, uh, Super Bowl week, you know, or, or conference. And you're trying to talk to your husband, but he's facing the TV. Do you, have, do, does, does, do you have his undivided attention? It's hard, isn't it? It's so tough. And especially for us guys because ESPN is on TV and we, and, and we want to listen to the wives. We want to listen to you. It's our hearts cry. But then as you're talking, all we hear is dun 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 And we're like, we're like... I don't know what happens. That's like a hypnotist move right there. They just get us at those, just those, da-na-na-na, da-na-na, like, oh, sports center. And, and then our wife is talking, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Huh? Oh, that happened? No way. And so we go through the motions of, oh, no way. Not, oh, oh, what? Oh, man. So what? Oh, feel bad. Come on. Yeah, come on. You can do this. I know you're, you're better than that. It's like we get distracted. Why do you think Sports Center repeats the same thing over and over? It's for us. 
because we're trying to pay attention to our wife and the TV. And the sports anchorman is like, okay, some husbands missed this. We're going to repeat it again. We get distracted easily. And it's like God is saying, you do that in life, but with me, don't get distracted. Remember what I speak to you when I'm talking with you. Pay attention to what I'm saying because the words that I'm speaking is life. And that's why sometimes we're dead on the inside because what he has already spoken, we've already forgotten. Revelation 3, 3, it says, remember, therefore, remember, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Jesus is saying, just remember. Remember what I've already spoken, how you have received and how you have heard. Hold fast. And when he says repent, what he is saying is you got to stay focused on me. You're going to tend to drift. No, repent, turn back, change the way you think. Get back on track with me. And you hold fast. But if you don't, and he's speaking to this church in Sardis, he's saying, you know your history. You were conquered because you fell asleep. The enemy could come in like a thief in the night. He says, when you fall asleep on me, that's what will happen. I will come to you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. How often Jesus says throughout Scripture, repent. Repent. He's saying, remember what I've been speaking. Repent. Turn from your ways. No, practically every city that day, Sardis, all these different cities, Thyatira, Ephesus, they all kept a record of citizenship. That's why it was, uh, it was, it was a, a prominent thing. It was a, a proud thing to be a citizen of Rome. And if your names were written on their books, then you had status. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a citizen of Rome. Paul said that. Even uh, those that were arresting Paul said, you know, I'm a citizen of Rome too. I bought it at a high price. So being a citizen of Rome, be, having that gave you reputation. But some of them, they did great things. They, they did great exploits. And, and because of that, when they wrote their names in their book, they would write it in gold. Or they would highlight their name. So that they would be saying, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, uh, Sheldon Loxina. Your name is written in gold. And everybody would be like, oh, he did something great. So there was reputation. But there's also evidence that if you did something that was not good, let's just say you committed a crime or you misbehaved or you did not represent the government well or Rome well, or you did something evil that was, just was not representing them well, they would erase your name from that book as if to say we're ashamed of you. And so when, when, you, when you check the records because you did something bad, and you never saw your name there, oh, it broke you because you didn't even have an identity anymore because everything was based on reputation. So Jesus comes to the church and he says, listen, you're trying to do everything on the outside. You're trying to please Rome. You're trying to please the government. You're, you're trying to please people and you're trying to look good on the outside. And yeah, your names are written in, in this log and the citizenship and, and the census but it can be erased just by your faults. You do something wrong, it's erased. But Jesus says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. 
And Jesus goes a step further. He says, I will confess his name before my Father and all of the angels. In other words, you may not have the best reputation here. You may not have the best life here. You may, you may not have the best job or, or have that position or, or be well-known, but you're alive because of Christ, because he brought you to life. And he gave you a life worth living for. And Jesus says, if you have that, that's what matters. It's who you are in me, not in the world. And you are so valuable to me that I'm going to write your name in the book of life that is set solid. And I'll even introduce you to my Father. I am not ashamed of you. I will introduce you to my Father and all the angels in heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, I love you that much. Even though you have these flaws, yeah, man may erase your name, but your name is written on the book of life. You have eternity with me. Talk about having an alive life. We can only be alive because of Jesus Christ. John 6, 63, it says, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. He gives us life. It's through His Spirit. He's the one that brings us alive. Titus 3, 4 through 7. It says, but when, our, but when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit, he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. See, if, if you've been dead on the inside, Christ can bring you to life. It's looking to him, the source of life. And when you do, it won't matter what you look like on the outside because people will be able to sense that you're not dead, that you are alive because of Christ. And when the tests of life come, and they will, and when the tests of life comes against you and asks you and even taunts you, are you dead or are you alive? Because Jesus lives in you, you can say, I am not dead. I am alive. Amen. You can put away your Bibles and let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, as we come to you, you are, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what that means is you're, you're an alive God. The history of the church, when you first were gathering your people and when you would address certain key issues, you were saying that because you love the church. You love your people. And we are people who you, who used to represent you, that you become our reputation. We are whole in you. You're the one that saved us. We, it's not on our human effort. It's not by our human energy. But we try. We try to look good on the outside, but it's really you who helps us to be alive. So help us to stay alert. Strengthen us, Lord, with what we already have, what little hope we may have. And even if we have a lot of hope, 
Help us to remember what you've already spoken to us, that we are to represent you. So build us up as your church, for we are not a dead church. We are alive. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen.